Thank you, Kyle. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Joshua. We're looking at the Old Testament this morning, Joshua chapter 24. And I'm going to share with you verses 13 through 15. I share several scriptures with you. Some will be on the screen, some won't. Joshua chapter 24, and we'll look at verse 13 through 15. Joshua 24, verses 13 through 15. God's Word says in Joshua 24, verse 13, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, of the vineyards and the olive yards which you planted not, do you eat. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose, I underlined that word, choose you, this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Someone has said that life can be defined as the sum total of person's choices. Life can be defined as the sum total of a person's choices. From the time that we're born to the time that we die, we're faced with a multitude of decisions. We choose how we're going to live. We choose if we're going to live cowardly or if we're going to live courageously. We choose if we're going to live honorably or if we're going to live dishonorably. We choose if we're going to live with purpose or if we're going to live without purpose. We choose if we're going to decide what is important and then we choose whether what to decide is trivial. So regardless what the world thinks about one's choices, we choose, we decide about our choices, and then those choices form us. Now, this past Thursday, many of you chose to open up your homes and be host families of My Hope America with Billy Graham. We have uh, Matthew Mills scheduled throughout this month. But you made a choice. You made a choice to be involved in evangelism outreach, an effort to reach America, uh, Canada, uh, our community, our surrounding communities, but you made a choice to be involved in that outreach. You chose to open your home to those who did not know Christ. You chose to share the gospel DVD. You chose to share a personal testimony or to use some other way to share the gospel. You chose to to lead them to consider life's greatest choice. The greatest choice 
in life. It's not whether you're going to marry or whether you're going to remain single. The greatest choice is not whether you're going to have children or, or not have children. As important as those choices are, and there are a number of other choices, none of those are life's greatest choice. Life's greatest choice is when you are confronted with the question, what will you do with Jesus who is called Christ? That's life's greatest choice when you're confronted with that question. This is life's greatest choice. It's life's greatest choice because it will affect us here as long as God blesses us with air to have and to live upon this earth. It's life's greatest choice. Not only that it will affect us here, but it will affect us in all eternity. Life's greatest choice. Now, at different times, the Bible presents this great choice to us. Um, the choice came through Moses. If you remember, Moses comes down from the mountain after receiving the Ten Commandments of God. And as he comes back down to the Israelite camp, he sees the people in idolatry worship. They were worshiping a golden calf. And when he sees their nakedness, he stands at the gate and he says this, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. Exodus chapter 32, verse 26. And so he confronts the people with life's greatest choice. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. Life's greatest choice is presented through Moses there in the book of Exodus. Life's greatest choice is presented through Elijah. If you remember, the people of God during the period of Elijah had turned against God and they began to worship the prophets of Baal. And so Elijah confronts the people of God and those prophets of Baal there on Mount Carmel. And he said this to them, How long will you halt between two opinions? If God is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. 1 Kings 18, verse 21. And so life's greatest question was presented to God's people there on Mount Carmel who had turned from God and began to worship Baal. And then life's greatest choice comes in Joshua chapter 24. And notice verse 13 and verse 15. I'm going to uh, just look at verse 15 for the sake of time. He presents, Joshua presents life's greatest choice to the people in this day. He says in verse 15, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the clearest and most forceful way by Joshua, he presented the question, the greatest question in life, to the people of his day. Now, the exodus had been completed 
the enemies of God had been defeated. God's people were now living in the promised land. And so he gathers them all, the Bible says, all the tribes together at Shechem, and he reminds them of the goodness of God in the previous verses. And then he challenges them. And then he says in verse 15, he says, Choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood are the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now, there are three lessons that I'd like for us to see this morning where we can understand what it means to be faced with life's greatest question. I jotted these down. First of all, life's greatest choice is a necessary choice. A necessary choice. Now, if you look at verse 15, he uses a verb there called choose. The word is choose. It's, a, it's an imperative verb. That means that it's a command that cannot be avoided. A command that cannot be avoided. He's not making a request in which he would request where one would accept God or one would reject God, but he's given an order. You don't have a choice about a choice. You have to decide. Jesus emphasized the necessity of this choice in Matthew chapter 6. Just jot down verse 24 and listen to God's word. No man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one, love the other, or else he'll hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, he says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Matthew 12, verse 30. Listen to what he says. Jesus says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me is scattered abroad. I like what Paul Powell said as he described this. He says, Some choices are mutually exclusive. He says, You can't be a law-abiding citizen and be a criminal at the same time. He says you can't choose to be married and be single at the same time. You cannot choose one and reject the other. It's the same as the greatest choice. Now listen, you cannot be for God and be against God. You cannot accept Christ and reject Christ at the same time. Now let me ask you a question. Are you standing with Christ today? Are you standing against Christ? Are you actively engaged in building the kingdom of God? If not, by your inactivity, you are actively involved in tearing down the kingdom of God. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot have a choice about a choice. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You cannot serve God. You cannot serve money. You do not have a choice about a choice. So as far as Christ is concerned, 
There's no middle ground when it comes to spiritual things. It all boils down to, you must choose for being against God and against Christ or with God and with Christ. There's no middle ground. So life's greatest choice is a necessary choice. Said there in verse 15, choose you this day. Now notice, not only is it a necessary choice, but it's a personal choice. Choose what? Choose who? Choose you. Choose you this day. Now Joshua was a great commander, great military commander, but he could not force his army to serve God. He was a great leader of the nation, Israel, but he could not force Israel to serve God. He was a great father, but he could not force his children to serve God. You see, all of us would choose Christ if it were possible for our spouse. If your spouse is not a Christian, if you could choose Christ for your spouse, we would do that. If your children were not Christians, you would choose Christ for your children. If your parents were not Christians, you'd choose Christ for your parents. If a friend was not a Christian, you would choose Christ for your friend. But you see, that can't be done. It's a personal choice. It all boils down to an individual choice. There's a proverb in Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Look at verse 2. This may be on the screen for you. Ezekiel 18 verse 2. What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, here's the proverb, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Heard that proverb. He's saying, you've read the proverb, you've heard the proverb, but fathers eat sour grapes, and you know how the acidity in those grapes will make your teeth hurt? He says, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now, the implication is the children suffer because of the sins of the father. Parents do wrong, and the children suffer. And God told Ezekiel, look at verse 3. He says, as I live, saith the Lord God, and that's forever and forever. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. I don't want you to ever say because the parents sin that they're responsible for the children's sin. Never say that again. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 said, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so with that one statement there, verse 4, God fixed an individual responsibility once and for all 
that every person is responsible for their own sin. Every person is responsible for their own sin. Now, when you think about our jails and our prisons, they're just full of people. They're running over. Now, who's responsible for that? Well, some would say, well, the church is is responsible for the jails being filled. Well, perhaps some way we are when we sit inside the four walls and refuse to go outside and share the gospel. Some responsibility. Some say, well, the community is responsible. Well, perhaps some degree the community would be responsible. Some say, well, the home is responsible. Well, that's true to some degree because, you know, uh, there's no stability in a lot of homes and there's no discipline in a lot of homes and there's no interest in their children. Parents, Some parents have very little interest in their children. That could be, to some degree, responsibility. But the point is this. The people in jail are responsible for their own acts. And when they stand before the judge... The family won't be sentenced, and the community won't be sentenced, and the the church won't be sentenced, but they are responsible and accountable for their own crime. Here's the point. The same is true in your relationship with God. We must all answer for our sins. So the greatest choice is a necessary choice. The greatest choice is a personal choice. The greatest choice is an urgent choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Choose you this day. There's always an urgency in the Bible when it comes to salvation. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Jot down Hebrews chapter uh, 3, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. God's word says, listen, if you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart today, you don't need to harden your heart because today is the day of salvation. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, the big part of that verse, he says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You don't want to put off salvation. There's an urgency there. Choose you this day. Don't put it off. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, Don't boast about tomorrow. I'll wait till next week or I'll wait till next month or to the revival or to whenever. He says, don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Now, why is there such an urgency? Because of the shortness of life. Because of the brevity of life. Greg Baker shared with me a few minutes ago or early this morning about a young man, 52 years old, died suddenly. Sometimes we're aware when a person's health is going down and, and, and they go through a period of time of suffering and we know that the end is near perhaps, but then sometimes that life is just taken away instantly and we don't know. 
the shortness of life, the certainty of death. You know, 18 times the Bible speaks of a person's life as it's fleeting from them. James 4 verse 14 says life is like a vapor. The other morning I got up at our daughter's house and I looked out on their back porch and, and it's a two-story house and there's a patio there. You walk out on the kitchen and area and, and you look out and they live in a beautiful place. And I just went outside to look at the leaves but there was, there was a, a fog lifted up. It was beautiful. In a moment it was gone. Within 10 minutes, it was gone. Something so beautiful, I thought, would have been good to last all morning, but after a short time, it was gone. And James says, the way life is. Your life is just a vapor. You think it's going to be here for a long time, but then it just suddenly vanishes away. One minute it's here, the next minute it's gone. Psalms 90 verse 5 describes life as a dream. Man, have you ever had a dream? And you're being chased by something. You don't know what it is. And it feels like it lasts all night. And you just run just as fast as you can. Suddenly you wake up from your dream and you're thinking, man, I'm glad that's over with. It lasted all night. No, it didn't. We're told a dream lasts only a few seconds. The psalmist said in Psalm 90 verse 5 that life is like a dream. It's here just for a few seconds and then it's gone. So, friend, listen, don't miss the opportunity of being saved today. Don't put it off. Be saved today. There's an urgency in regards to this choice. There's an urgent choice. And then fourth, and I'll close with this. The greatest choice is just a logical choice. Logical choice. Joshua didn't urge Israel to, to choose blindly. In the previous verses, verses 1 and following up to verse 13, he begins to tell them how they'd been blessed by God and he recounted all the blessings in their life. Verse 13 said he'd given them land and he'd given them cities and vineyards and, and, and olive groves and he'd given them houses that they'd not even built and he'd, he'd given them so many blessings. And it would be logical that you would choose him to serve him as God. Now let's on the basis of what God's done for you. With just general grace. And how he's poured just general grace out upon your life. You think you need to serve him? By giving you a healthy child, and a healthy husband, or a healthy wife, or blessed you with a home. Just general grace bestowed upon you by God, who had no need to do that. Just out of his grace, he did that. Don't think you need to ask him to forgive you and come into your life and save you. Listen to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 6 through 8. For when we were yet sinners, or for when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Think of being logic about this. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love, or commended his love to usward, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wouldn't it be logical to say since Christ died on the cross for my sins, 
I'll give my life to Him. If you doubt God's love today in your life, look around in the sanctuary and just look at the people's lives that God changed. You'll see those whose lives were once enslaved by sin, but now they've been set free if they've been saved. And what God did for them, He's willing to do for you. And so now in Joshua 24, verse 15, he, Joshua, makes his own commitment. He says, And as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to take your stand today like Joshua took his and commit yourself personally to serve the Lord? Life's greatest choice is your relationship to God when you're confronted with the question, what will you do with Jesus who is called Christ? It's a necessary choice. You for Christ or are you against him? It's a personal choice. As the old saying goes, every tub sets on its own bottom. You're responsible for your own sin. It's an urgent choice because life is brief and death is certain. It's a logical choice. Just look around and see a difference that Christ makes in people's lives. The greatest choice you'll ever make not about your job and all your material possessions. It's not about who you're going to marry. It's not about all of those material things. But the greatest choice is what are you going to do with this person called Christ? Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I thank you for an opportunity to open your word. And be reminded, Lord, of the question that every one of us will face from time to time. What will we do with this person, Jesus, who is called Christ? And so, Father, we know today that it's a choice that we have to make. It's not that we can choose not to make a choice. We don't have a choice about the choice but it's imperative. We have to choose. And so today, Father, it's before us. It's before the peop these people. And so I pray for every person here today that's faced with a choice. And I pray that your Holy Spirit has convicted them that they need Jesus Christ in their life to be their Lord, their Savior. And I pray as the Holy Spirit is wooing them, convicting them of this need, that they would be willing to come forward today and say, as for me, I want to serve Christ. I want to give him my life today. I pray they'll come. For Christians, Father, for whatever reason, I've turned and walked away from you. I pray today would be a day of recommitment. Help us not to be naive enough are so naive that we think that one day that we never will face you. So help us to see the seriousness, Lord, of the question and the choice that we're faced with. Life is so short, it's brief. And so we pray, Lord, you have made us realize that, if anything, this morning. 
And so as the Holy Spirit moves in this place, as he speaks to people, that they would respond today, this day, for salvation. It's necessary, and it's logical. Just because of the general grace that you've blessed us with, it's logical. Just because we're sinners and we need forgiveness of our sins and only Christ can forgive us, it's logical. So we pray for each person here this morning that they would ask you to forgive them and come into their life and save them and be their Lord and their Savior and direct them, lead and guide and direct them as they serve you here and as they seek to build the kingdom here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.